0: Like no other. That's who our King is. That's who Jesus is. Amen? He is like no other. And uh, today, as we enter into a time into his word together, we've repositioned the service a little bit. We want to create more time on the back end to respond and to praise him and, and to really put him in his proper place. Amen? Last week, you heard from Pastor Nate. He did a great job kicking off the series, Hope Like No Other. And uh, today, we look at praise like no other. And I found myself thinking this week about, you know, what are the things that we praise? How do we praise? How do we cheer? Because the reality is, we know how. We do it. But, but what is the object of it, right? What is the object of it? What's the center of our praise and our cheering? And so let me just ask you the question, what are you praising these days? Like really, honestly, gut level, what are you praising? What are, what, what are you oriented towards? What is the object of your praise? And I'm curious if, you know, we can do this together today because praise has a noise, right? Praise has some sound, so, so you're going to kind of join me here for a minute, aren't you? Because you're here, so why not have a little fun, right? So, so let's start out with a little golf clap. You know what that is. There we go. Okay. Now raise it up. Raise it up. Okay. Now, now stand and cheer. Can we do that? Can we stand and cheer? <clears throat> do, are there any hands? Are there any? Okay. Can we try the wave? Let's get really crazy. Okay, hands down. We're going to start over here. You guys start the wave. We're going to go over. Oh, my goodness. And come back. Come back. Look at this. Let me hear that shout again. You know how to praise. You know how to cheer. And I literally cannot believe that worked. I thought of that during worship this morning. No joke. I've never done that before. Thank you. You're amazing. (laughs) Go ahead and have a seat. Um, (laughs) Here's the deal, right? Like, I know you have it in you. I just saw it. You saw it. I know I have it in me. But there's moments in life where maybe we aren't praising the right things. Maybe, in fact, life has got a little heavy. You know, it's actually in the book of Isaiah that it says that, that God will give a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I just, like, if you've been around here for a minute, you know that I'm pretty honest. So Monday morning, we, I roll into a staff prayer, and I come in carrying the world. This is a rock. Okay, I know it's March Madness. Come on, Florida, what a rough night last night. At least we were in the final four, right? I mean, that's something to cheer about, but, you know, there's a moment, uh, Vince Lombardi walks into the locker room, right, in, in football, famous story, he holds up a football, this is a rock, I get, I get that, he holds up a football and he says, men, this is a football, as if they had forgot what it was, these are professionals, so, so I'm sharing with you, this is a real rock and it's heavier than I realized when I picked it up a minute ago, so, so I'm not going to hold this up as long as I thought I might have. And that's probably part of the point, right? Like I came in on Monday morning into a staff prayer time, carrying the weight of the world. It was so heavy that I could not speak for like 30 minutes. Our staff, I think some of them noticed. They probably wondered what's going on with Pastor Brian. And, and, and I found myself saying, God, I know I can't carry this. I know I need to lay this down. I know I need to find you. And then realizing that in that, God was going to have to take me on a journey that brought me all the way to this morning and an incredible wife who prayed over me that knew this morning, I'm not ready to be up here, y'all. I'm not. But he's in me and he's worthy of my praise. And as a result, I can turn to him and say, feelings aside, my faith is leading the way. And for you and I to realize like, Yes, we're human, and we weren't designed to carry the weight of the world. We're designed to lay down the heaviness at the foot of the cross. We're designed to reposition our lives by praising him because he's already done it. You see, if you know Jesus, he's actually moved you from darkness to light, and he's giving us an assignment. And it's an assignment that when we get caught up in the heaviness, when we get caught up in the weight of everything, when we get caught up in our own stuff and making ourselves the object and center of our praise, or something that shouldn't be in the center, it's in that space that that it gets harder because we weren't designed to live that way. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, and it's so important for us as a part of our assignment to realize this. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Think about that for a minute. He's created us as a holy nation, a new people, that we would be his possession. And often what's in the way of our praise and the weight of everything is when we're trying to possess and hold on to things that we shouldn't be. I'm preaching to myself right now that you may proclaim, it says, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You see, there's a praise like no other because of what Jesus has done for us. And today has as been mentioned, it's Palm Sunday. It, it's the Sunday in which Jesus rode into Jerusalem humbly and lowly on a colt, fulfilling the prophecy from Zechariah 9, verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 9. And, and as he rode in, the people were praising and they were worshiping. It was repositioning them because they knew that, yeah, there's a ruler and there's a king, but, but there's, here's the real king, he's just arrived. And it's in that place of praise and worship that God reveals so much about their hearts and the hearts of the people around them. Hosanna means the one who saves. Can you say Hosanna? Hosanna. Hosanna. Some of us need to cry out to Hosanna today. To say, I praise you and I call on your name to rescue me. And here's the deal. Yes, there's a moment where Jesus rescues us from darkness to light. But then if we're honest, there are many moments in our lives where darkness begins to creep back in. And it's in those spaces that whether you're a first-time believer today, or you're in your late 80s, early 90s, and been following Jesus for 50s or 60 years, whatever it may be, that there is a God that we need to cry out to today, to say, Hosanna, save me, you're worthy of my praise, move me from darkness to light. So let's take a look at that moment in Luke 19. Verse 28, it says, And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, he being Jesus, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt. Untied and on which no one has ever sat. Untied and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, you shall say, this, the Lord has need of it. I'll just pause there for a minute. Jesus is out ahead of them. What a great reminder. That we serve a God that says, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That I've created you in Christ Jesus to do good works that I've prepared in advance that you walk in them. That he's out ahead. That he's a God worthy of our praise and worship and following. And and part of what sometimes connects with me in a week like I had this week and leading into this moment was what are the ways that, that I'm out in front of God right now? What, what are the ways that, that I'm trying to get out in front of him instead of following behind him and obeying him? Because it can be humbling to just walk behind and not necessarily have your agenda and your plans and your will be what it's about. Anybody? So he's out ahead of them, and then he gives them instructions to go, and they obey That's the core of our faith, isn't it? I mean, what did Jesus, what did the Father say on on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17? He said, "To, to hear my, this is my Son, whom I love, hear him. Hear him, which also means that we would listen and obey. And so they do that, and he says to tell them that the Lord has need of it. Verse 32. So those who were sent away and found it, just as he had told them, and as they were untying the colt, the, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? Translation, why are you stealing our horse, our colt? They said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as they rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God. Can I hear you cheer for a minute? Can I just hear that shout? They're all praising and rejoicing and praising God, it says, with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. You see, sometimes we need to be reminded that God is at work in our world, and how we see and celebrate Him says something about what we honor, what we believe, what we hope for, what others can learn about the goodness of our God. And so they're making a public display of this praise and worship because of all that He had done. Verse 38. Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. When you look at this, if you're taking notes, praise repositions us. And this right here is something that over the last week or two, I began looking at like, what does praise do in my life? What does praise do? It pastures my heart properly. Because it gets my eyes off of myself and off of my problems. Anybody else? It, it, it postures my heart and repositions it to say no matter who's watching, no matter what else is going on, it's putting Jesus first and foremost. Amen? Secondly, it raises my gaze. Praise raises my gaze. You know, anybody else get your eyes on the wrong things? And get too caught up in the problems and and in the situations. And and maybe it's even what you're ingesting in news or social media. I mean, we live in a day and age where there's a lot of wild and crazy stuff out there right now. We need to raise our gaze. That's what praise does. Gets our eyes off the problems of earth and back on to the solution that is in heaven. And and Jesus who brings heaven into earth. Amen? Amen? Third is acknowledging his goodness. And and this is significant because there are moments where you may not feel the goodness of God, but he's still good. There are moments where you feel pain and grief and loss and lament. How do I know? Because I've been there. And that is a space where it hurts. But that doesn't change that my God Is on the throne, that he is good, that he is able, that he is worthy of our praise and worship. And so, what it does is it raises my gaze and acknowledges that even in the face of a fallen world and reality, you are good and I can trust you. The I means intentionally thanking God. What does it mean for us to thank God that he's moved us from darkness to light? If nothing else is going right, he's done that. If nothing else is worth giving thanks for, the fact that we know him, the Creator Almighty, there are things that we can intentionally thank God for. That's what praise does. We have to lead ourselves to that place of saying, Lord, I acknowledge your goodness, and I want to thank you for the things that are good and that are right. Amen? Yes. And that shouting. Let me hear you shout. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, look at you. Come on, that 9 o'clock service is on fire. I love it. it, it there is. There's an ability that praise has to shout how he has shown out. To shout how and to let others know, and that's what the, the E is, is it encourages others. You ever been in an environment that was just a little bit so- somber enough that it just kind of, like, you walked in happy, and you walked out like, oh, man, life, life is terrible. <laughs> like, I don't know what just happened, but, like, I thought I had it together. I thought things were good, but, uh, man, where's that Ben and Jerry's, right? <laughs> Nobody else turns ice cream. <laughs> I I mean, that's the reality, like, (laughs) there's the negative side that the environment can drag us down, but there's also the upside. The upside is our praise encourages others, and we as a people of faith need to be a people of praise that are praising like no other, that in the face of an increasingly dark world, have the light and proclaim it and encourage others church praise repositions us it repositions us and repositions everything around us and that's my hope for us is that we would be a people of praise that we would anticipate coming together Anytime we come to a service, anytime we come to a gathering, that when we're together, we would come in with the anticipation that we're gonna praise him and raise the temperature in the room. And if I come in low, you come in high, and it raises me, and vice versa. Amen? Within all of that, there's times where we just have to be honest. Monday, there was a moment as I, I left staff prayer that I, I was like, I'm still not ready to go into my office. You ever felt like that? <laughs> like I'm at work, but uh, my, my body's here, but I'm not here. <laughs> okay? And, and, and so in my role, that's hard because I'm, I'm in the people business, right? I mean, you know, so you can't really hide if, if you're constantly with people and, and all of that. So I went out and, and made it look super spiritual. I started prayer walking the property, I stopped at the gazebo to have this contemplative moment. I I looked at the pond and gazed at the fish. And and, and honestly, you know what I was doing that entire time? I was crying out to God, saying, God, I love you. I praise you. I don't feel it right now. I know you see me. I, I really hope somebody else does too. And we have a great team here. Pastor Nate was out walking. And he decided to come and engage me. And I came out of hiding, and I confessed how I was feeling. And you know what happened in that moment? He prayed over me, and I believe in that moment of humility, that moment of confession, that moment of of being able to share this, not just with God, but with someone else, that there was something that God began to do in me in that moment that brought me to this space here this morning. To be able to tell you like we're not meant to praise alone. You see, there's a lie that we have bought into in modern Western living. It says that your faith is private, not public. Anybody else heard this? It's pervasive in American culture, and it's a lie from the pit of hell. Because if our faith is not public, then verses like 1 Peter 2, 9, that we read, that we're to praise and proclaim, don't matter. If our faith is not public, then Hosanna being cried out and what Jesus said next doesn't matter. But you see, throughout Scripture, there's this reality that you and I are a people that our faith is meant to move out of the private, it be, might begin there, but it's also to be shared publicly. And in that public space, we find that God shows up. He begins to move the heaviness out of our hearts. He begins to move through the prayers of others and the praise of others, get get us to a place where our praise begins to encourage others. Church, there is something that God wants to do in you, but also through you. And it's meant to go public. Verse 39 and 40, <laughs> listen to what, what they say. It says, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Teacher, tell them to quit praising you. Tell them to quit shouting about you. Tell them to quit being public about you. Tell them to be silent. How many of you know that they're is a praise that repositions the rebuke of the world, repositions the lies of the accuser. And it absolutely threatens life as, as we know it, no doubt about it. You see, they, they were praising him because he was coming in and they thought there was a revolution unfolding. They thought that, that he was coming in to flip government and flip the world upside down and that they would be led out of bondage into places of prime position. And they were absolutely right, but they did not understand that it was not just an earthly reality that was about to be revolutionized and repositioned, that it was a heavenly that would now touch earth. And those leaders were rebuking because they were threatened that their way of life, their living, the way that they did things, was going to look different. They didn't want anyone praising a new king. They thought it was blasphemous, and yet here is Jesus showing up as the fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 40, he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. You're taking notes. What we praise is what we become. They had stony hearts. They had hearts that could not let go of what they were used to, that that were used to people coming to them for help and aid. That religious leaders were rebuking Jesus, and Jesus is in turn saying to them, I, I, I see your hard hearts. Here's the deal: if if my people don't praise, if my people don't cry out, then the rocks will cry out. You and I, I hope, will not be out worshiped by a rock. I mean, the reality is, could it happen? Is God the creator of the rocks? Could rocks actually cry out? Was it literal, figurative? It doesn't really matter because the point has been made. The point Jesus was making is you've been praising the way you're used to doing things, Pharisees. You've been praising The power and position and privilege and and praising the things that you have and that you're holding on to. And, And you are rebuking, wanting me to rebuke my disciples because a new path, new pathway? A new pathway is unfolding and they see me, the king, going before them and they're praising and worshiping. And if they didn't, then everything around you that I've created would begin to praise and would begin to worship me. Praise orients our lives and repositions us, and what we praise is what will become. So are you praising what you're holding on to? Are you praising what you're oriented to that isn't Jesus? I mean, this is the hard reality. What are the things in our life that we're serving, that we're following, that we're praising, and if you're like, well, what do you mean by that? Where do most of your thoughts go? Are they towards your bank account, your career, your relationships, your kids? I mean, you know we've moved in this generation from helicopter parents to lawnmower to now bulldozer, yeah? We've put our kids at times in the center instead of showing them who should be the center and leading them with with our praise and worship towards him. What we praise is what we'll become. And I don't want to be (laughs) out worshiped by a rock. I know you don't either. How do these things creep in and how do these things influence us and get us turned so inward? You remember uh, Where is Waldo? okay i date myself here. Um, let me show you a picture. This is a Where's Waldo image. Can you find him? I, I'll, I'll tell you, he's in one of the corners. If you think you know which corner, say it. Oh, I heard a couple people say left. You're right. Show them the next slide. They are so fast. They found Waldo. Here's the deal. There's a guy named Ralph Waldo Emerson. See what I did there? Right. <laughs> that his influence in 19th century America with philosophy and enlightenment has in many ways affected us in ways that, that are throughout our culture. I want to read you something he wrote, something that he said, and, and because it, it has a way of affecting how we worship. He said this, a person will worship something, have no doubt about that. We may think our tribute is paid and secret in the dark recesses of our heart, but it will out. That which dominates our imagines and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. Therefore, it behooves us to be careful what we worship. For what we are worshiping, we are becoming. Now, to take that for itself is great, but you have to see what else he said. In another place, he said, do not seek yourself outside of yourself. You see, what Ralph Waldo Emerson understood is we were designed and created to praise and to worship. But that we also, he felt, should not worship anything outside of ourself. That it's our true self, the the inner self, that will set us free. Anybody else recognize a touch of transcendentalism, universalism, and new age thought and beliefs? And we swim in those seas today in our world. You see, every day we're swimming in the sea of this idea that that maybe I don't need to praise and worship him. Maybe I just need to discover and find who I really am. And the idea that we can do that without praising Jesus and letting him identify us is a falsehood, a lie, and we must rebuke that in this generation. And there's a role that music, believe it or not, plays. And some of you have learned about your pastor. He can't carry a tune. He has no rhythm. He can't remember lyrics. But my goodness, he knows how to praise and worship. Because scripture teaches us to worship in spirit and truth. So I feel pretty qualified to tell you, as a non-musical worshiper, that music affects my life. And it affects yours. Let let me give you a a scripture. Isaiah uh, 14, verse 11 through 15. This is, many scholars believe, talking about the enemy who was the first worshiper in heaven. Notice what it says. Your pomp is brought down to Sheol, the sound of your harps. There's the presence of music. Maggots are laid as a bed beneath you and worms are your covers. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. This is the enemy who has fallen. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. And I want you to notice something here. This is what fallen praise and fallen worship looks like. There are five I will statements that I'm going to read next. That the enemy of our soul, Satan, had said in his heart... And as he has fallen, continues to whisper into our hearts in the world we live in. You ready? Here's the, uh, the text. It says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. And the fifth, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. That is the reminder that even in the face of the lie, even in the face of the one who's trying to get us to worship ourselves, or him. That our God says he's defeated. Our king is worthy of praise. He saves and he rescues. So so let me just show you, if you're taking notes, fallen praise flows from a heart filled with these five I will statements. And, And maybe you're like me. You can begin to see how when my praise moves inward, when I begin to believe that lie that it's me that needs to figure it out. Did you know that soul care matters? But the goal of soul care is not the glorification of self. The goal of soul care is a submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, to come underneath of his spirit and his will. So the five I wills, I mean, do you find yourself saying, I will figure this out, I will do it, I will make a way, I will muscle down, I will grind it out, I will prevail? (laughs) Hits close to home, doesn't it? You see, much of these I will statements are filled with pride. They're filled with individualism. They're they're actually, they get us in our flesh. And they get us to a place where if we know what happened after Jesus rode into Jerusalem, what did he say in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but yours. You see, as my week unfolded this week, I found myself realizing that there were all of these things in my flesh that Jesus wanted to break and to crucify, and to set aside that his will could prevail. And, and it's interesting because what we listen to, I, as a kid I can remember listening to music and, and telling my parents, you know, who didn't want me listening to particular music, well, I don't listen to the lyrics. I don't listen to the words. Anybody? <laughs> you know you did too. Y'all acted so self-righteous right now, right? And, I mean, we did. We're like, oh, I don't listen to the lyrics. And here's the thing. While some of that may even have been partially true, I like the beat, I like the music, it has a way of getting into our soul. Because Isaiah 14, we know that the enemy has fallen, and he takes these fallen praises, and he puts them to songs and tunes that become the soundtrack of our life. I, I mean, what's, what's a movie without a good soundtrack, right? Can you imagine Jaws without the, you know, the, the heavy bass in the background? Or, or that scrolling intro to Star Wars without the, the big symphony playing? I, I mean, soundtracks make the movies because they create the emotions and the connection to what is happening. Same thing's true in our life. What's the soundtrack of your life these days? What is the soundtrack of your life? And and is it something that is praising and glorifying God? And so what am I saying? You might need to change the station. You might need to change what's happening in your life car, in your home, to actually put a new soundtrack on of praise and worship that moves you from your flesh and the I wills that the enemy is trying to get us trapped in to actually praising and worshiping the real king. How do I know? Because I'm the guy that has no rhythm, can't dance, can't sing. Can't, I actually, I I can play 15 chords on a guitar. I can actually play them fairly well, but I can't hear music well enough to figure out how to strum them, okay? That's how bad this is. But with that said, praise and worship is constantly playing around me because I know I need that to help set the soundtrack to my life. Y'all, God can make a moment become so much more if we'll embrace that. Am I saying you need to set aside all your music, you know, whatever that is that you listen to? I don't know. I really don't know. I I heard someone say yes. So uh, maybe you do, right? What's it about? It's about hearing the Lord. And if the soundtrack of our lives is drowning out the voice of the Lord, then turn it off. Change the station. Let him become the soundtrack of your life. Verse 40 again. I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. We're not going to be outworshipped by a rock in this church. We're not going to be out-worshipped, out by stones. We're going to be those people even when we don't feel like it. Amen? Now, I want to share with you this last little bit before we enter into a time of response. It's actually in verses 41 through 46, because praise repositions us. It repositions the king, it repositions our heart, and there's a couple of things that happen as he enters into Jerusalem that are very telling about what it does for us, because praise isn't just about the vertical moment, it begins to affect how we live horizontally. Here's what it says in verse 41. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. Say wept. Jesus' heart was broken and wept over the city of Jerusalem, saying, would that even you had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. He's rebuking them because he's weeping and saying, I have things that would make for your peace. I have things that if you will let go, if you will reorient your life and reposition your life around me, I will give you peace. And yet you missed, he says, the time of my visitation. I never want to miss God moving among us. I hope you don't either. That when he begins to tug and prompt, that we begin to say, God's visiting us. How do we say yes and amen to him? Verse 45 and 46, and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold. Translation, he went into a church. Another gospel says he picked up a whip. He turned over tables. He began to drive out what was wrong. In that temple saying to them it is written my house shall be a house of prayer but you have made it a den of robbers it's actually a quotation of a house of prayer which would be for all nations praise repositions us if you're taking notes to see serve and be with king jesus And this is where we land today. This is where I believe God wants to visit us. That that we begin to see that praise helps us to see Jesus. To see the king and his goodness and all that he is and wants to be. And that as we see that, we, we also see that his heart was broken and wept for the brokenness around him and for the city of Jerusalem. When's the last time that you praised and your heart wept for the brokenness of Vero Beach? When's the last time you praised and your heart wept for the brokenness of Fort Pierce? Or of Felsmere? Or Gifford? Or the island? Or Sebastian? When's the last time that you saw Jesus high and lifted up and you just began to weep? Mine was on the way to church today, thinking of this passage in this moment and just laying it down and realizing, Lord, I want your heart. Because that heart that sees Jesus and his heart will begin to serve like Jesus. You see, he rode in lowly on a donkey. Then he went to the cross. He served them out of his great love. And as we praise And as we see Jesus, he's going to ask us to serve him with that same kind of radical love and grace and mercy. And then the piece about prayer is that reminder that our heavenly father, as we see him and serve him, wants to be with us. That we're to be a church known by prayer. That prayer leads us into God's presence. It's an invitation And so three next step questions for you today to think about. Have you received Jesus as your saving king? Have you laid down the weights? Have you laid it down at the foot of the cross? And king is key there because some of you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, but he's asking for you to make him the king today. Secondly, will you praise King Jesus like no other and change the soundtrack of your life, getting away from the twisted, soundtracks and manipulations of my I wills and getting back to his your will be done and third will you let praise reposition your life to see to serve and to be with King Jesus today we're going to receive communion together today and as we do that it's just interesting how the Lord works It's actually a little bit further. and We don't have a slide for this in Luke 20. That it says, everyone who falls, 20 verse 18, on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. You see, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And when we fall on him, we break into pieces. But then we come to the table and we're reminded that his body And his blood pieces us back together. Makes us whole. Makes us a people that can praise and worship and can serve him in the light. Amen. But there's also the other side of it, that if we don't fall on him and humbly allow him to to break us to pieces, there'll come a day where he falls and crushes sin and darkness in our world. So as we prepare to receive communion, I believe that there's some hearts that God wants to mend and you need to fall on him today. Just as I've been falling on him all week, just as I'm gonna fall on him with you right now. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our worship. So ushers, if you wanna come forward, I'm gonna pray And then I'm going to give us instructions on how we're going to receive communion today. And we're going to have an extended time of praise and worship as we receive communion. Are you all ready to fall on him and then to literally raise our gaze? Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that you are worthy of our worship that as we fall on you today, as we admit our areas of of brokenness, our areas that maybe need to be repositioned, that you are good, you are faithful. Jesus, as we receive communion, we thank you that you went to the cross, that you are Hosanna, the one who saves us and rescues us, not just once, but every day as we turn to you. We thank you for your blood that was shed, that covers our sins, that anoints us, that gives us an assignment to walk with you and your authority. So lift our eyes off of ourselves. Lift our eyes off of the broken soundtracks to hear and to see and to know you in new ways. Holy Spirit, invade this place. Whether we're online or in person, have your way. We worship you. We praise you. You are our king. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have stations ready.